Well, we are here with Kelsey Rideout, who is Mama to Eternity Arts and co-host of Story Nights at Good City People on Instagram. She is one of the most sensitive, open, wise, and delightfully charming people I know. You didn't send me that. I, I wrote that. Kelsey is a poet, writer, actor, and lover of learning. She is launching creative writing and healing workshops at her arts company, Eternity Arts, in January of 2021. Is that even a year? Like, oh man, when, when is it coming? It's coming so soon. <laughs> Which I think, is, I think it's good news that it's coming so soon. I think it's very good news. So... Um, I'm a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, I, for the last 10 years, have been kind of investigating my artistic soul and practice, and it led me to find acting. It's led me to creatively write and perform and kind of find my find myself and find my voice. And now I'm at the place where I feel like Okay, you know, like the the initial struggles that led me into this kind of deeper dive of, of who I am and what is my voice. Though they remain, I feel excited to now offer kind of what I've learned and just who I am today, you know, um, to others. It's been it's been a long haul, but a really cool journey. You know, when I met you, I knew you as a poet and writer. And then, you know, I got to know you better and, you know, I got to learn about the acting classes and then, and you know. my flaws and my <laughs> late arrivals, <laughs> anxieties and habits. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no comment on the late arrivals. <laughs> 2021 I'm a changed woman oh yeah well yeah Uh, we always think we're gonna keep new year's resolutions I always make one me too what a weird thing that is yeah you just you kind of embody all of these different artistic hats and identities and I think that's so awesome Um, when we work together at Labo which we'll get into you were also sort of working with movement and had actually sort of touched base with your background in in music and in piano I was I was thinking about it this morning I was like I wonder does she does she identify more with any one of these sort of artistic disciplines or do you feel like you're just kind of flowing between them yeah that's a cool question (laughs) sorry to put you on the spot we definitely didn't plan to talk about that but I was thinking no I think I think it's a great question because you know in your body and in your life you just do what you're doing and you kind of it's really nice to just have this opportunity to stop and step back and reflect but I think um I think they're all conjoined like I've definitely focused on acting training in the last couple of years that's just been kind of more of what I'm doing but I feel like I feel like I identify as an artist. And then from that artist place, 
there's dance and movement and um, words and music and expression. And when I'm creating, they all they all come up. And you know, like I love seeing shows and and different different performances where they're they're speaking to one another because really they're all they're all um, aspects of the voice coming out, whether it be your body or singing or um, acting and speaking and connecting to another person. Um, they're all they're all connected to that artist core. Mm. So it's hard to see them as separate. I see them as sort of in conversation constantly. Which goes back to the the theme of voice. Yeah, I see them in conversation. I see them in conversation in my body. Mm-hmm. That's so awesome. I, I should say, like, it can be, like, for my mind, it can be tricky sometimes because I, I'm like, wait, should I be doing this or should I be doing that or should I focus on this or should I focus on that? But I think I'm happiest when they're communicating and I'm creating something where there's room for different expressional forms to come out. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's one of the things that bonded us at first is this kind of interest in this openness to interdisciplinary collaboration and this sort of like flexibility to just be yeah. vulnerable in the creative space and do things that uh, we weren't necessarily used to doing. Mm-hmm. The first time I saw you slash met you was at The Origin when we were both performing alongside Nazra, which if you're listening, uh, I'm fangirling hard. They're, <laughs> they're an amazing artist. And also our dear friend, um, Brandon Wint. Also amazing, shout out, shout out. Also amazing, shout out. I want to get him on the podcast. You were performing a poem. I loved that poem. It was really powerful in the way you performed it. And you, you definitely, right away, it struck me that you had you had some kind of an acting background, like the way you were reciting the poem, the way you were performing the poem. It was, it was kind of like a one woman show or monologue, the way it was done. And, um, and, uh, yeah, we were introduced there and I think it was another, at least another whole year before I reached out to you, um, for Labo, right? Was that the the, the next time we talked? Yeah. 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 So that's, um, yeah, Labo is a great program uh, in Montreal for uh, contemporary composers, artists, musicians. It is very much centered around musical performance, but they had a special project category the year we did it. Um, This was 2016. And basically, we wrote a proposal together based on a project involving um, spoken word and movement performance along with violin at the time. And we were placed in a group with Nathan. Hey, Nathan. I miss Nathan too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What was your experience like being sort of, I think you were the only non-classically trained musician in the bunch, if I recall. Yeah. What was that um, like going into that sort of head first? Okay, well, I was definitely thrilled initially to have the initially. 
<laughs> initially the opportunity to write this awesome proposal with you and like imagine the ways in which our artistic disciplines would come together like honestly I could just and I still feel this way like I feel I feel super connected to your artist soul and you so Aww. it was very it was very exciting um and I I just love the piano piano's in my heart I took whatever whatever until grade 12 I did the whole the whole thing the conservatory thing I just always felt with piano that I just loved like going off script and just making sounds and kind of not following um even the way you said that was so uh actor off script (laughs) because I'm doing more acting (laughs) it's at the forefront (laughs) yes yes um and so I, I was super excited, like butterflies in my stomach to, to kind of play around with piano mm-hmm. and, um, and with you. And then I got massive anxiety about the whole process. I literally emailed the directors and I, even though I was already accepted at this point, but like the directors of the program, I was, I emailed them. I don't know if I told you this and I literally, I you told me this, I literally asked like, what like what am I even doing like can you please (laughs) can you please listen again to like the sample piano I sent you and like can you please tell me what it even is like I don't know if I should be coming and I sent them all my anxieties side note I've stopped emailing anxious emails that's a a good step that's it's like major but at the time I was still practicing that Emailed oh, I used anxiety. to do, I used uh, practicing that. I was in the practice of. <laughs> I was in the practice of anxious emailing. Oh, I do that. And and the anxious text, the reassurance seeking text. Yep. Also have eliminated that. Fantastic. Anyways, so I, I messaged, I, I got in touch with you and I literally almost didn't go because I felt like, as you know, it was, it was literally the day before something. And I thought, first of all, <laughs> Can I even afford taking a week and going to Montreal? But you know, all of that havoc around finances was like actually steeped in just the fear of not feeling like I'd belong there. Like I didn't know what I was doing. And I think, I think a lot of improvisational work and just the nature of, of actual creation is that it's 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 improvisational and it's unknown. And a lot of the work I feel internally is accepting that you know Mm -hmm. that it's it is what it is it is what comes out it doesn't have to be identified as something and it's Mm -hmm. okay and it can be amazing as it is whatever it is but it's it's kind of tough on the on the anxiety brain you know it is it is and I I just want to point out a uh a huge irony in this situation which was that our piece was the theme was fear because I had been inspired by your right. performance and I thought, oh, this is, this is cool. We, maybe we can build, not, not using that poem uh, directly, but we can build on this idea oh. of our original title, I think was investigation of fear, which we later uh, scrapped, but that um, theme of anxiety within the artist and all of that was our theme so then it was funny to have this situation arise where I got a message from you kind of you know pretty pretty close to the start of the festival just kind of you know spiraling exactly (laughs) spiraling 
and the finances were a were a were a factor and i i totally um i totally hear that we could talk for days about the the expectation of taking time off work and 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 all of that um in pursuit of training however uh i remember at the time i so that that kind of caused me to freak out and i was like okay like we're supposed to be going in a week or however long it was and uh my boyfriend at the time daniel ramjitan he just said just call her just just call her and talk to her just and i remember cuz i was spiraling and he's like just call her and that was the best advice i could have gotten because i was like <laughs> Okay, I'm just gonna call. I'm gonna see. Let Let's talk. You know, woman to woman, and let's just figure this out. <laughs> and so I remember I, I was on break. I think I worked for Chamber. I was working for Chamberfest at the time. Yeah. And uh, I was on break, and I called you, and I just said, "Hey, you know, like, uh, what's going on? Is there anything I can do to help you out? You know, to relieve some of this stress?" Frankly, I don't remember exactly what we talked about but the outcome was somehow that you were like you know what this is fear based and let's do this yeah you know that's so cool that you bring that up because you know it's incredible with simply connecting even though when you're going through those spirals the last thing you want to do is connect but when you do like it can have a dramatic impact and i feel like speaking to you on the phone just like i i don't know if we hadn't spoken i don't know if i would have gone i know and it, you, when you look at the chain of events right it's like if 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 daniel hadn't said that maybe i wouldn't have called and then we wouldn't have had that experience and yeah synchronicity is crazy and just having that that yeah you're right that that vocal connection too to hear someone's voice and to just talk it out and to not have you know, I could have easily said, oh, okay, you know, but just to have that conversation yeah, was good for both of us, I think. I think so too. And it's reminding me of its importance to interrupt the spiral. Yeah. Yeah. Because these themes of, of like belonging and anxiety are just so much for me a part of, part of art. And uh, they show up in so many ways. And so because I was feeling like I wasn't going to belong in this group, it's like such a primal fear. Like, I don't belong in this group. I don't belong in this group. What am I doing? Like, our friendship, our connection just helped me. No, you know, step into it. Step into something. You Stepping into something unknown doesn't mean you don't belong. But I think the brain confuses that. Oh, absolutely. And it's self-preservation too, right? You're like, I want to go into a scenario where I feel familiar, you know, this this makes sense. And I, I mean, I empathize because I can't imagine, I think I was telling you the other day when we did our sound uh, check, like I was telling you, you know, I can't imagine going into a scenario where everyone was a trained actor, you know, and I'm coming in as a musician, like, you know, just flipping the script in a way. Yeah. It felt like I stepped into like a really like sort of a mix of a quirky, highly intellectual, <laughs> intensely philosophical sort of art 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 culture. And one that I haven't been in before, you know. Yeah, and, and you know, it's just occurring to me now, I mean that I mean that program's wonderful. If anyone is listening 
so amazing. Go do go do Labo Contemporary Music Lab of Montreal. Look them up. They have an Instagram. They have a Facebook. They have a they have a, a website. The composers there are awesome. The musicians there we met were awesome. But you know, it's funny because I think it is a program that pushes even us as musicians way outside our comfort zone and we're put in I think they just they use this analogy of a sandbox this program's like a sandbox and you're playing and you're making things and then your castle might fall down and you know you make another one and it's all about you know if you've ever had an idea that you have no venue or avenue to pursue you can try it here you know here is the place to try it so that was really liberating and awesome but you're in this scenario where you're not you're not entirely comfortable. I was not entirely comfortable. We played Cobra, the the improv game. We we did a lot of uh, musical improv and as well a lot of sort of vulnerable sharing. And so um, for us, it was very much that kind of experience. So I can't imagine for you also not having that mm-hmm. musical context background. It was so beautiful though. Like yeah. it was so... Even if I wasn't understanding theoretical parts of what was happening, the language, what I so connected to that people were using, um, the metaphors that were just implicit when people were, when people were talking and like my being just thrives in that kind of creative environment, you know, where you're creating it from scratch with each other and you, you're, you're starting to just speak this creative language together and and aligning. And so it like really fed my creative spirit. And in that way I felt I felt so connected to it all. You know, so that was that was just so cool. And then we created this piece that like it was it had movement in it, the three of us. It had movement, it had words, it had theater, you know, like suddenly the instruments and the musicians to me were also actors because just the image of us told a story and it was one of the most beautiful pieces that I've experienced creating and 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 doing oh same I I I treasure that memory so much that that um that final performance was really powerful and we got some really really amazing feedback and I think we created the environment for that piece to succeed I still wish we had access to that video footage my god I was just about to say it's lost in the ether every year I keep asking I keep reaching out and seeing is there a chance because the thing is you and I nor Nathan accessed the video it was my fault it was, it our, was fault. our fault. We didn't get the video clip of this piece, and now it's, it's lost in the archives. If it's even existent in the archives, I don't know. Yeah, I really, I don't know. Maybe I'll write them again. I, I would love to. Uh, I would love to have that. I think we still have notes from our meetings and our rehearsals, and I, you know, if we ever get a chance to to perform it again, I think that would be really great. I, I really, I really wanted to, you know, thank you for, you were instrumental in pushing me to explore movement, which mm-hmm. I think like as a musician, you know, my godmother, she's a, a dancer, choreographer, and she's always saying when she works with musicians, they're often very disconnected from their 
their um, especially their lower bodies because we're all up in here we're all up in here and yeah. and we're all about the fine muscle movements and we don't think about okay how how do my legs feel how do my hip flexors feel um, how am I how am I standing and it's a it's a it's an athletic activity that's been completely intellectualized I think Yes. Um, and there is, it's not that there isn't an intellectual component, because of course there is, but a lot of us I find are very up in here and we're not as connected to what's physically happening. So for myself, I mean, any kind of physical movement, choreographed physical movement is super intimidating, mm -hmm. especially to perform. So thank you for, you know, being an approachable person to ask about that and to work with that. Yeah, I mean, you're welcome and vice versa. Like that is the beauty of this program was that one another's experiences we could we could share. And like if we dare to take the risk, I think we listen to each other and manage to enter each other's disciplines in ways felt courageous and new, you know, and not impossible. So I'm grateful. Mm -hmm. I also, I feel like I want to recognize Nathan because he was so open-minded. He kind of came into this like storm <laughs> of feminine energy and like pre-planning and he just kind of, he just rode the wave and he, he gave his calm and logical feedback and was just very, not only easy to work with, but a joy to work with, you know, like really. Yeah. I'm trying to think of some sort of metaphor, but you and I were like this, you know, and he was kind of just, yeah, you know, in the waves and totally present, but at a different pace and vibration that just helped it all, you know, come together. And yeah, that's another thing about collaboration. It's like, <laughs> so much oh, it brings no. so much ego right because it's like all the fear it brings out our strengths it brings out like our 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 most bright vibration and together you know you form this kind of this 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 world together um, yeah. yeah oh that yeah the ego <laughs> the ego yeah <laughs> Well, one thing I would like to say is I think a lot of people still feel like ego implies implies like a, a feeling of grandiosity or like you think you're so great. And my understanding of it is it's just the awareness of self, right? It's our awareness of self, good, bad, in between our identity as something outside of ourselves, our belief that our self exists beyond our body and is is an entity of itself it can really hinder us Absolutely. i i loved the critique process that they did at labo where we had you know that first performance um sort of makeshift performance which happened really early on in in sort of the creation pro process process mm -hmm. and everyone's performances were super rough in the sense that they were in their early stages and very experimental. And then we had basically like a round table discussion where we, <laughs> it's like, how many people were there? Maybe 30 people sitting in a circle, right? 
a large circle. And I remember there I was forgot. a... it. I forgot they were surrounding Oh, it was face to face. And there was a full moon that night. I remember it was just like hanging in the sky <laughs> over Montreal, like outside these gorgeous windows there in the outside the Concordia building. Yeah. And that was, I, I remember that being quite intense. I, it was, uh, you know, we went around and people gave their, their critiques of, you know, everyone's performance and it was, it was honest, wasn't it? It was, it was, it was definitely honest and definitely hard on the ego, this awareness of self. It is always hard on the ego. I find to present work in process. It's, it's so challenging to do that, yet it's so vital to the artistic process. To get that feedback in that stage is everything. And yet the impulse within is often, oh my gosh, I can't show that. It's not done, it's not done, it's not done. But to respect the art of that process, which really I think is what that round table feedback did. It respected the art in its process. And it really asks of us to to suspend judgment and just observe what it is and what it's trying to say. But we definitely had some feedback that kind of, you know, came from a place of not quite understanding what it is we were trying to do, perhaps. We had a range of feedback. And I think, although <laughs> I think after <laughs> even I wanted to like cry, I think we went to what didn't we go? <laughs> did we go to shoppers after and buy hoop earrings? Was it that day? Was it that day? There was one day. <laughs> there was one day. And I mean, I don't know why we were so stressed. We're just balls of stress, I think. <laughs> we are. We are. It's just part of our makeup. Yeah. Our yeah. There was one day. It was, you know, an intense rehearsal day. And although I don't know if I can even call what we were doing rehearsing. I mean, at a certain point, it became rehearsing. But it was a lot of talking, experimenting. It is a lot. It's... It was exhausting in a sense, because I think it's like together trying to be patient with the process of creating together, not just yourself, yeah. but together with all our energies. Yeah. So there was one day when we, we, uh, <laughs> we said, we're going to go buy hoop earrings. And I think we went to, yeah, it was shoppers or something. $6 hoops. Yeah. Are those the ones by the way? Are those the no. ones? <laughs> but they are hoops. <laughs> and I think we got chocolate and we walked around for a while. And we we just we just let it be that, you know. You know, you become acutely aware when someone gives you feedback, um, especially feedback that you might not agree with or identify with or that might hurt in some way, you really that's when you really feel that ego yeah. being broken down and just dismantled and questioned and like you have to a part of you has to die and let go of that clinging to that ideal that you had before or that idea you have of your work it's kind of a beautiful thing too like after the like pick hits the ice and it all breaks and shatters and falls apart to the ground not to be dramatic about it or anything like after that happens um the part where you start to shift and go, okay, maybe what that person said, maybe that was valuable. And maybe let me like look at that point without all the clinging 
And let me then see if, if I can integrate that into the mm -hmm. process. I mean, that, that is the shift I think that really allows for work to continue. Mm. Even if it hurt, even if the tone of what was said, because also I'm, I'm making sounds. I'm like screaming in one of the pieces. I'm, I am not someone who these people are used to seeing or hearing from. And, you know, some of the faces and the looks on people was like one of horror. And <laughs> I, I, I love I, how you said that. I think, I think it's like, okay, getting through that, buying your hoop earrings, doing what you need to do. And then separating like whatever judgment was in the room distilling that distilling the truth of whatever was said being right. to, so yeah. important so important yeah yeah distilling distilling yeah yeah because often you know there's gems within a vehicle of not a gem exactly <laughs> exactly and like everyone's egos are getting like in the creative process and especially when it's this experimental creative process with with different kinds of artists that you've never worked with in all of your life. It can be like a highly judgmental field, but it can also just be a highly creative, beautiful field too, you know? So it's navigating those fields, man. Yeah. I just occurred to me, like, how did you, you've done other types of interdisciplinary collaboration. Yes, I have. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> how did classical musicians how did they fare in terms of how did they compare to your experiences with other art stewards of other art forms were they what you expected obviously not every classical musician is the same but in your from your experience doing that program was what was that like yeah i think there is a rigor and a analytical aspect to 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 classical work almost a mathematical scientific brain that is present that i don't think i felt to the degree with working with other artists like i feel like that component of the brain is there in different disciplines but i think it's highly activated in like the training that classical music musicians have done and so it was this 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 attention to detail and this perfection hmm. that and the one hand felt vital for the work that was being created and on the other hand sometimes felt prohibitive mm. is that yeah yes totally um, so it's kind of again like similar to what we were saying before like trying to see the, 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 the gift in that and also being myself, you know, and putting up my hand or whatever and saying, this is how I see this, you know, cause I was in another group too. And I think when I was able to place my ideas in certain kinds of structures and processes, I, I was able to generate a conversation more. Um, because what I ended up doing was taking the conversations we were having in the creative process and 
recording them and then using those words in the work. And that's called like verbatim theater where you just, you take real conversations and you integrate that exact conversation into the work in a certain way. And I think when people started to see like the value in other, other lenses, I was part of the conversation, but I, it, it, it was a bit of a challenge to, to work with artists that were so adjusted to being perfect technically, which is not something I've experienced, but it is something I can definitely learn from because it is, it's a beautiful thing to practice that hard to get to a point where it's so integrated into your body uh, that you can end up doing really complex, incredible stuff. But yeah, it was a challenge. It was a challenge. It was a challenge. But I have to say overall, like classical musicians, I mean, it was so much fun. It was so much fun chatting with you guys, having these like weird, awesome conversations, like walking down the streets of Montreal together and just vibing and it was such a gift to be able to spend that, I think it was 10 days, to be able to spend those 10 days in Montreal, like just. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Can I tell you a secret? Yes. I am in Montreal. Right. <laughs> I'm here. So it's like funny that we are talking about our Montreal experience. Yeah, very on point. Um, I was thinking this morning and I wanted to say a few things. One was that. I'm really grateful to you for being my first guest. And I wanted to say that the inspiration for starting this video project slash podcast slash um, ongoing rant um, <laughs> was um, what came from some of our, our discussions over the summer. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. And um, I'm just, I'm so inspired that you're doing this. Good. Um, I had an interesting interaction with my sister this morning because she she had sent me a text saying I, I saw the, the first episode. It was great. Uh, Mike sounds good. But I think you should ask every guest, you know, s something very uh, specific and recurring. And the question she thought I, I should ask was, why do you think the arts are essential? And it kind of got me my, my initial reaction was, I don't really want to have a recurring question that I ask everybody like that. I feel like I want their words and their work and their existence to kind of just show that without having it um, needed to be articulated. And then I got to thinking more about the title and like, you know, addressing the elephant in the room, which was the pandemic. Basically, it's a reference to... Um, that label and it just got me thinking about clarifying what 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 does essential mean and why I decided to go with that title and and it got me thinking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs the structure that he had laid out for our fundamental needs you know of food water sustenance and how as we move higher on the on the pyramid, we come to the final need, which was self-actualization. Mm -hmm. And it got me thinking about that term, non-essential worker, and what that sort of brought up for me over the pandemic. And feeling like when shit hits the fan, 
I'm not really needed. You know, I guess I just wanted to clarify that I, I don't think the arts are essential when we're talking about life and death situations. But when it comes to society as a whole, the arts are essential in achieving optimal health, in achieving mental wellness, in achieving true insight into yourself, into your life, into all topics, spiritual, religious, societal, both for the creator and for the spectator, the observer, and the people who are consuming, you know, that. And if, you know, anyone who's heard a piece of music and felt something or read a novel or seen a film and felt something knows what that feels like and knows how those elements can shift our perspective and make us see things in ourself and our journey in a in a new way so sorry for pontificating but that was kind of what was going through my head this morning my sister is also also has a podcast and I'm going to have her on in a couple weeks actually it's awesome yeah and uh it was great to get that feedback because I was kind of like oh it 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 forced me to kind of go back to the title I chose and look into that a bit more yeah um it's interesting because I feel like I connect to what you're saying and I also wonder about this hierarchy you know Mm. needs and I understand it and it it's very easy you know to understand okay we need food and we need water for basic survival but I think at the core we're more than we're more than that so we just as human beings do require more and I wonder if we strived like as a paradigm to see our emotional, mental, and spiritual needs fulfilled kind of on an equal footing as food, water, and basic necessities, like how that might change just how we approach societal norms and and policy. Because I think for a lot of people, it feels like life and death, whether there's an outlet for creation or not. And I think for a lot of people... um, the will to live and their connection to art and artists have, have been in close proximity. So I do think there is an essential aspect to art and artistry um, that runs deep through the ages and cultures across time and throughout the world. Um, I do think that in this Western Western, westernized, colonized approach. There's been such a um, a fraction, fractioning, or a, a separation of art as vital and art as vitality and art as being just as important as any other basic good, um, which I do feel is intrinsic to humanity. But we've come, we've gone far from that, you know, which is, I think, why it's so underfunded. Um, so I. I do think we're essential. I do think we're essential. I think we're essential to the human spirit and human well-being. And I do feel like that's why there are art therapists and um, there are arts activities in hospitals and because it, it, it shifts uh, self-esteem and that, that shift can actually help 
as uh, someone who's working on beating cancer, beat cancer, you know? So I feel like they are actually so much more intimately connected than some, some portraits paint. Mm. They're more interlinked than, than we articulate. Like sometimes um, coming across a song or whatever, when you're in a dire situation, a dire physical situation, and you come across that song or your nurse sings you a lullaby or your, your grandchild comes in with a colored crayon portrait and gives it to you, the joy actually translates in your physical body as resilience to whatever you're going through. So I feel mm-hmm. like there's sometimes, you know what I mean? There's a physiological reac- reaction. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And I think there's gonna, there's, there has been more and more research on that. There will be more and more research on that. Yeah. Um, this term non-essential has been very instrumental in sort of it hit me at first, you know, like it, it did. And and then as I consider yourself as a quote unquote, non-essential worker, is that what you mean? Yeah. Well, I, I wanted, I think I wanted to sort of reclaim that term a bit and reframe it and kind of look at it yeah, you know, through, through conversation. This idea um, that I have had to kind of let go of with self-actualization being at the top. Like, I know that's not necessarily, the way I'm thinking about it isn't necessarily how it's intended in that um, in that model, but I've had this notion that, okay, one day I will be self-actualized. Like, I am climbing the ladder and mm-hmm. I will get to a place where I am free of chronic anxiety and free of um, economic anxiety and free of those things, but it doesn't really actually seem to pan out that way so I feel like when we strip away at the pyramid ladder kind of paradigm I um I ultimately feel more relief to know okay this is an ongoing lifelong process of Mm self-actualization rather than like the summit or the peak of of something right and and of course we can see this with any journey right you're 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 coming up, you're going down, you're non-linear. Yeah. yeah. I think too, with the term, you know, non-essential. Yeah. Um, it's kind of for, for all of us that have been, that have had that label um, put on us during this time. Yeah. Um, not just artists, but most people. Yeah. It, it can kind of lead us to, to think, well, what's essential for us? what's essential for us what what do we find essential in our own lives and in our own work and how can we redistribute or rethink our role Mm -hmm. you know yeah I I think there's this sense that you know now we have schools open teachers are back at work um bars and restaurants are back in most places yeah um, planes are, you know, flown at full capacity. We have all of these industries reopening and it feels sometimes like the arts are the last to come back. Right. Yes. Uh, we're, we're not performing for a live audience currently. We're, we're, we're live streaming everything, but yeah. I think it's difficult seeing other industries, you know, come back before us. Yeah. 
because because it's it's known that the the arts is at least here in North America I think we are seen as the the icing on the cake the frill on top yeah if if everything else is met you get to go to a nice concert and and that that sense of it being an integral part of community connection health wellness um that that is not as culturally accepted here as it is it might be in some other places yes i would have to agree definitely and i think um i think perhaps part of the problem is that because of that belief system implanting in our structural systems a lot of the arts feels inaccessible for people because it means dropping how many dollars to see something when they don't necessarily have that so i feel like the mindset hopefully is shifting like in a way i feel like people are seeing how essential the non-essential artist worker is because it's getting them through the the mental challenges of this pandemic you know and it's um democratizing the arts in terms of free online content being consumed. So mm-hmm. feel like there's more popular access to a lot of um, concerts and um, artists activity. And all of a sudden a super famous artist and an artist starting out, they're using the same platform, you know, like Instagram live or zoom. So I think maybe there's an opportunity here to shift that mindset that that it's not just frills but it's actually like a fundamental like artery in in us that we need to to exercise for peace of mind for inspiration for creativity for mental health for physical health you know people are running and exercising with earphones on it's just so implicit in everything that we do mm. but um i i agree like in our in our norm cultural norms is sort of an afterthought um or an elitist place rather than um popular a popular accessible everyday um part of life and value absolutely how so i don't want to talk too much about covid itself because i think we're just inundated with yes news every day it's daily it's overwhelming and a lot of it is fear mongering. Yeah. Um, but I did want to ask you sort of how how have you been during this time? How has your how has it affected your work, your life, your sense of self, your your creative process in, in the creation and upkeep of your of your craft? I would love to hear that same series of questions from you if there's time also. (laughs) That's a good question. I feel like, I don't know, maybe part of this pandemic experience too is is ushering in um, more care of of how each other, how we're doing, you know? Um, I think for me, it's been, like we said earlier, you know, non-linear and different kind of phases. I think Initially, when things were coming out, um, there was a certain climate of fear and not knowing. And, you know, the first lockdown, um, a lot of fear. I held a lot of fear about getting it and family members get, getting it, which I still work through because I'm I'm always kind of conscious and, and 
working through the fear of something might happen to somebody I love. And so mm-hmm. exacerbated that. Um, and I got a handle on things because it seemed like the worst case scenarios I had in my head weren't panning out. Thank God. Um, and thanks to privilege and a whole number of other things. But um, so initially I felt artistically, I was um, not, not, not enlivened and uh full of fear i was living with my mom at her place my sister came from toronto and we were sort of like in this dynamic that we haven't been in since i was in high school all of us together faced with all your old demons that's it exactly and uh it's pretty uh i mean there was beauty in it because we've never spent that amount of time together since i was much younger um but it got it just I think like a lot of people, you know, it just felt very confining. There was, we're all these, we're different now. We're more independent and in our own lives. And then to come together and kind of not be able to leave that space or see other friends or kind of continue on um, living our lives was challenging on a mental front. Um, And I could just feel the collective, you know, like the collective sense of fear and, anxiety at that point um and then I think things kind of changed in the summer as it felt okay to see people and go on walks with people um and then more recently I feel like my creativity has started to regain its energy and I've started some new projects and just have been able to give more time and energy to to creating and to auditioning and to um, working on new workshops for the winter and kind of looking ahead. Um, whereas before it felt like my lens was very immediate because I think that's what fear does. You know, it, it forces us to be in that immediate view. When I think about it now, I think the amount to which I feel connected actually correlates to my creative health because Mm -hmm. um, that really marks the kind of shifts, the ups and downs was how disconnected or connected. I think I felt to myself and others and um, that changed throughout the year. So. Well, and I think there's this, there's this sort of slightly tired trope of the solo artist who doesn't need anyone and is in this sort of cocoon of creativity Right. Alone with their their mental health struggles and their madness. And that is where they create best. And, you know, they don't need anybody. And I think I think there are definitely people like that. And there are people who really thrived with isolation and or for whom this really didn't have an effect because they have this sense of drive and purpose that sort of transcends some outside experiences. I think there are people like that, but I don't think it's the majority and I think there was this, this, uh, that's really interesting what you said about connection. Cause I really relate to that. I felt, I think it also depends what kind of person you are. Um, but I relate to that feeling of having sort of the, the bottom fallout and you just kind of, you're kind of floating and you don't know where to land. Yeah. Yeah. Because you were, you were doing I mean, you in particular, because you're doing um, live concerts, which require people like that is your work right now. And I feel like 
then this happened and that format was just no longer possible, right? Like yeah. how did how did you how how was that for you? Well, it was we had our last concert on March twelfth and it was Shostakovich five, which I think is extremely epic. I don't know if you know that piece, but it's it's phenomenal and very meaningful. So that was our last performance. And I went back to Ottawa for what I thought was going to be a week. We had a week off at the time and everything, everything hit the fan. And so there was a lot of logistical things that were challenging, moving stuff and suddenly having to feel at home in a different place. Yeah. And just really waking up every day without a sense of purpose, I felt, because there was nothing coming up, you know, and I think a lot of people can relate to that. We we like a goal, as human beings, we like a goal to work towards, and when we don't, it's very, very hard to generate this intrinsic, internal sense of motivation where it's not affected by our outside senses of validation, either monetary or some other mm-hmm. fun form of validation, you know, some other form of accomplishment, sense of accomplishment. So creating just for ourselves, I think is a muscle that we don't often get to utilize. And we were suddenly all put in this situation where, you know, if you want to create or just hone your craft is more what I would describe what I would be doing as, you know, I, I did feel creative at times, but but the 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 rigor of meeting the instrument every day in a room and working my muscles and going over these learning a new piece or honing in on my technique it often seemed very overwhelming mm-hmm. and i think there was this narrative this narrative at the time not just with artists but with everybody of you know use this time right like this is a gift which Again, for a lot of people, it was. And I I commend those people. I think there's going to be a lot of really great creative output that comes out of this time. A lot of amazing career shifts for people. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I dare say that I think the majority probably relates to having a slowing down happen. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I, I, I would agree. Um, I, I wish I was that person who ended up finishing like a novel manuscript as COVID. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I'm certainly, I'm certainly not. And I, I think it is true. Um, what you're saying about external validation and meeting those goals and those deadlines. I mean, I think... I think perhaps maybe I've I've been at like I've had to ask myself how I value others and part of that is being able to give um have people in my life that I can give my creative stuff to and get feedback from and like having that circle of people just has felt even more um valuable than ever just having one another like just really understanding and seeing how how valuable we are to each other um creatively and otherwise you know yeah 
and realizing what once that's taken away realizing yeah once the systems are down and it's like it's not automated automated that we see each other and we have to do it for ourselves and by ourselves you know we have to reach out and connect and make those things happen I think um you know I didn't feel this way before but right now I'm really in this place of reflection on on what can change and just kind of feeling the positives from this 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 mayhem period um and kind of just uh revisiting how valuable certain things are in my life you know and how lucky I am to have them gratitude 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 I was not feeling gratitude a little while ago (laughs) but something has kind of settled in the air a bit um I'm just, I'm trying to practice gratitude every day, you know, for the light, for this house, for my voice, for my ideas, for your ideas, you know, like there's just so much to, to be grateful for. Yeah. And the fact that, I mean, I don't know anyone in my immediate circle who became sick. So that is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think that is all a part of this. Like, I don't even know if I would be saying the things I'm saying if like that were the case, or if I was in so many places in the world where that wouldn't be the case. Um, like just reading all the the stories in different places, um, is really, I don't know, really just makes me look at, at my luck and my privilege deeper, you know, which is another current from this year is like, really looking at your own privilege in um, just a more acute way. Mm -hmm. Well, I do want to hear about eternity. Yes. Because I know that this project has been on your mind and in the works for some time now. And I think you're really... um, it seems like it's really flourishing and you have a lot of juices flowing in regards to workshops and projects in relation. Do you want to give an overview of what Eternity is for anyone who's listening and maybe what you have planned for it? Yeah, that would be awesome. Thank you. Um, Okay, so Eternity Art is... Um, my arts company where I facilitate workshops, um, it's beginning stages, although it has had several years of iterations and, um, concepts, but I've kind of cleared, cleared the space to get to what I really want to do with it. And it is facilitating, um, creative healing workshops where healing transformation and creative production all, um, are intertwined, um, which I just feel is the nature of art for me. Um, so, uh, after much thinking and thinking and writing in my journals and then rewriting in my journals, um, I've come down to two workshops that are starting in January. And the first one just feels so much like birthed from my natural life experience. And it's called, I have a voice and I have a voice is something in my acting class that. The teacher, Claudia, um, will often say, um, often ask us to say when we are not using our voices. So when we're 
being really sheepish and like just wanting to be liked. And it's just all very scary. She'll say, no, I have a voice. Say, I have a voice. And all of a sudden it's like, I have a voice. I have a voice. It's standing. It's, it's everything changes when you really commit to that phrase. So it's become something that has helped me in literally finding my voice, that phrase. And then it's a mantra as well that I try to remind myself I have a voice. It's a very strong feeling statement to me. And I have a voice. The workshop is um, in its first iteration is six weeks of um, working to recover your own unique, infinite voice. Um, so for those who have been on similar journeys as myself to finding, feeling a sense of, of, of wanting to find your own voice and feeling the struggle and the hardship of, of, of not feeling like you can do that. It's, it's for those folks who, who, who are looking for more, more time and guidance and um, reflection going into finding your own voice. Like what is, what is even our voice? Is it just sound or is it feeling or does it have to do with traumas we've experienced? Is it about relationships? Is it about creativity and what we've been told about our own creativity? Like there's just so much there, I think, around, around voice um, and what it feels like to own your voice. You know, it's just it's the best when you feel like I'm in my voice, I'm in my power. I can say no, I can say yes, I can say I'll get back to you later. You know, feeling that confidence um, is a really beautiful thing and place to step into. Um, and I find myself stepping in and out all the time, but I find I've learned tools, practices, and um, a degree of self-love that helps usher in, you know, and reconnect with, with your true, vulnerable, creative voice. So that is the first one, um, and it's comprised of one-on-one, one-on-ones um, with me, and then there's also a group component. And they, there is a creative component. So everyone gets a chance to create something about midway and to share it with one another at the end. Um, that was a very long. No, I'm glad you, I'm glad you did that because I think it's good to also just, yeah, give some, give some context and also some specific examples of what you would be doing. So there's this individual one-on-one -on -one component, and then there's this group component mm -hmm. and a creative component, and they all sort of work together. Yeah. And I love what you said about the workshop because it kind of feels as though, yes, these are creativity techniques, but it seems like you would learn so much about boundaries and holding your own and realizing what your values are and how to stick up for those things in life that's so true and I've, I've been writing the word boundaries over and over and I know it's a word right now in like <laughs> in the, I mean it's almost like you want to roll your eyes at that uh, at the word at this point because it's so overused but I literally it's been a challenge a life challenge to actually look at at what that word means in my life you know like I have so much trouble saying no and that affects my voice tremendously mm. so yeah I'm really looking at that at boundaries and voice and that relationship yeah. so what what sort of uh 
artistic practices or influences are you drawing from to create the structure and format of these workshops or this particular workshop, I suppose? Yeah, I think um, a few different disciplines. For one, um, uh, journaling, creative writing. Um, that's where I tend to gain a lot of self-reflection. Um, so like offering guidance with that tool to others. Acting, I mean, uh, has just been so, so valuable to me finding my voice or feeling like I can own my own voice. Um, so vocal exercises, um, literally, you know, a lot of kind of what would appear weird, but, you know, looking at yourself in the mirror and like trying to more gently take in yourself and speak words to yourself, singing, um, repeating mantras out loud in different ways, in different weird ways, because a, a, a part of finding your voice is uh, finding your strangeness too. And even if it's in your own space, being allowed to play um, with voice and um, creativity. So it's acting, it's writing, and then it's spiritual practices like meditation, which is so valuable and so somehow challenging. <laughs> to to get into a consistent rhythm um and yeah taking in the teachings that i've had from a residency with a place called wata to be young anita africa you know she's really instrumental in supporting people all over the world to integrate self-love and, and creation you know so i had a uh, residency with her and um, it really kind of showed me in a deep way of how spiritual health and creativity physical health and mental health emotional health are all conjoined um so yeah hmm. do you think that creativity can be taught in in a way mm -hmm. like for someone who doesn't identify as being creative or artistic are they able to go to a workshop like this and access a creativity they sort of didn't know they had or how is that sort of brought out in people so i'm no expert but like what i feel when i hear that question is i believe creativity is already in us and i don't I don't think I, it's taught, but I do think it is um, facilitated. I do think teachers and mentors support others in breaking the, the barriers to our creativity. So it's not the creativity that's taught, but the barriers between the creativity um, and, and the masks we wear. Um, that 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 is is taught if that makes sense i kind of lost my track there but of course there's like techniques and there's um choreography and like as i'm sure your whole life has been spent learning certain pieces of music like they're they're of course but that's all technique like the fundamental creativity is existent within us and then our teachers and our mentors 
help us with techniques and all sorts of things. But also in this case, for these workshops, it's really um, trying to facilitate um, uh, a relationship between between someone who takes a class and myself as 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 a coach to help break down those barriers that we've created. Yeah. Um, so so if somebody doesn't identify as creative, creative that that is a okay. The fact is they are creative because they're a human being, but you don't have to identify as that. You know, I think identities are there for us to pick up and drop down and reassemble all our damn lives. So <laughs> I've known people who are like, I am not an artist. I'm not a singer. And I've done this. I'm like, I'm not a writer like 10 years ago. I'm not an actor. I kept saying I'm not an actor. I'll never be an actor. That was like a thing I did because I wanted to be so much somewhere inside me, but I was afraid. So that's a whole thing too. Right. It's sort of setting us up for a reality that's disappointing so that we're not disappointed by hoping that something else will happen. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that. And I think you're right in that we're constantly evolving we're constantly changing and something that was true for us 10 years ago. I mean, we, I, I wouldn't have known I would be living in Thunder Bay playing viola in a symphony 10 years ago. I don't know where I thought it would be. I don't remember, but I, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, life can take us on a winding journey for sure. Yeah. Yeah. We can almost, not predict you know we just have to go with what feels well this is kind of my new way you know going with what feels excites me enlivens me whatever connections that brings and wherever that leads me to is is the next thing right well do you want to finish with teaching me one of these vocal techniques or mantras yeah um let's do it so Okay, so if you take two seconds, do you have a pen with you? I do. Okay. Um, so here are some samples of mantras, okay? I'm not going to suggest one, or I'm not going to, like, give one to you because I think for a mantra, you have to feel what feels most powerful for you right now, where you are um, in this moment. So, but here are some examples. So I am powerful. You want your mantras to be present tense, um, I am powerful. I am alive. I am worthy of, um, success. I am worthy of my own artistry. I am worthy of a flourishing career in whatever it is. I am healthy. So wherever it is in your life, whether it's health or art or, self-esteem or self-love that feels in need of more love that's what your mantra could be about does that make sense absolutely yeah and I did take that one workshop with you I think we did something similar I can't quite remember but I'm I'm writing these down yeah just to sort of generate some ideas here yeah for sure so if you take um 
if you take a moment and kind of look at those that you've written down, I can give you more examples if you want, but if you want to take a moment and just uh, even just close your eyes and think of what comes up for you, your circle one you have there. I mean, for me, I have a voice. I have a powerful voice. I am a warrior. I am um, a creative goddess. You know, it can be whatever strikes the most energy inside you. I think just I am worthy of love. Yes. I think I just yes. need to hear that right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you want to close your eyes and imagine beautiful sunlight and trees and water around you, whatever environment makes you feel loved and cared for and connected to love. Go there and you can repeat that mantra. You know, you can tell yourself, I am worthy of love. If this was in a different setting, you could scream it. You could scream it because If that's how you feel, you urgently want to tell yourself, I am worthy of love, you could scream it. You could whisper it to yourself before you go to bed. I'm so worthy of love. You know, like a sweet lover <laughs> beside you. And whenever you go throughout your day, come back to it. Come back to it. Whenever there's anxiety, whenever there's fear, you can come back to, I am worthy of love. You can write it out in front of you, put it beside you. So when you open your eyes in the morning, you see, I am worthy of love. When I get up in the morning right now, I try and speak out my affirmations to the world. It will feel weird at first because it's a new habit and it's kind of funny, but it changes our inner vibration. And that inner vibration is, I think, the voice behind the voice. You know, I've been thinking about this idea of what's behind the voice. Hmm. It, it's not words. It's something before words. Hmm. That felt really good to do. I said awesome. it about at least 10 times. Yes. And kind of just brought up different scenarios, different environments. There's so much too with the the emotion that comes up, like often in meditation, right? We're holding, we're holding a specific feeling of loving kindness or gratitude, and we're holding that yeah. that emotion for as long as we can, and feeling that in the in the present moment, not just the words, but the actual feeling attached. And I can see that sort of being similar here, mm -hmm. like holding that feeling that comes up. Yeah. 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 It opens into a different space. It's like I can already feel like I feel calmer, even though we're between screens. Mm, amazing. <laughs> wow. That was, that was really cool. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you doing this and your friendship and your being and your artistry. So 
right back at you, sister, tenfold, ten thousandfold. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da